Hi, and welcome back to A Chronic Life. I'm Zora, your host for this podcast. First of all, I'd like to say sorry that the sound was a bit rocky in the previous episode. Um, (laughs) I'm still not a master at editing just sound. I'm better at editing videos and things like that. But I will learn, I will learn, so just stay with me and stay patient, I guess. Anyways, so in the previous episode, I talked a bit about who I am and my goal for this podcast. So I highly recommend you listen to that episode first, otherwise this won't make much sense. But as a little recap... I live with chronic, constant pain and have been for eight years now. And so this podcast is somewhat of a diary while still trying to raise awareness for something that is so immobilizing and even if not exactly in the same way, it affects so many of us. Despite this, more often than not, not much is being done to help chronic pain patients live a more active life And most of the time, the problem tends to be solved by prescribing opiates, which in many countries are not quite as regulated as, for example, in Finland, and therefore does more harm than good. As I said in the previous episode, I have one medication that can ease my pain, which my body has gotten immune to, therefore I have to take breaks, Sometimes a few weeks, sometimes several months. This spring, I moved back to Finland, having previously spent a year studying abroad in Sweden. In Sweden, I couldn't get my meds, despite having international prescriptions and visiting multiple doctors. Nobody was willing to give them to me because these pills are also highly addictive. My psychiatrist told me that at this point I should not be physically able to put down these pills for even a day. But against all odds, I can. I can even save them for later if I know that I'm going to have a difficult day, say, a week later. Then I'll be in pain for a week, and then take the pill that I have left a week later. I should not be able to do that. So, why can I? I think it has a lot to do with my way of thinking, because I take this medication as a painkiller rather than for the high, and that mindset changes a lot of things, if you ask me. But I'm no expert, of course. (laughs) Anyway, when I was in Sweden, stuck without any medication for like half a year, I had to be taken to the emergency room several times, sometimes by ambulance, because I could not even stand up. The pain was so severe that my boyfriend had to change my clothes for me, taking off one sleeve at first and turning me over to take off the other sleeve and so on while I was just crying hysterically. 
I also didn't eat much during this period, and so I lost a lot of weight, because as I said, eating makes the pain worse. I don't know if you heard that ambulance, but it was pretty ironic that it came <laughs> right now when I was talking about it. Anyway, so my days consisted of me laying in bed 24-7, binge-watching Handmaid's Tale over and over again. I've now seen it so many times, I know all the lines by heart, because it soothed me in some strange way to watch someone have it worse than me. I remember I counted spots on the walls, and when I had counted them, I did it all over again in case I had gotten it wrong. I also counted the stripes on the bed sheets. I counted objects and polaroids that I had put on the wall. In the beginning, I cried a lot about how small my world has come to become. Things like lighting candles were the highlight of my days now, which is quite metaphoric now that I think about it. I guess I was trying to bring more light into my dull life. I kept failing classes because I could not study. Not only could I not study, but I didn't even see the point in in studying anymore. I mean, who would ever want to hire me? And even if someone would, how would I be able to work? After a while, I became numb. I didn't even need entertainment anymore. I didn't contact anybody. I just laid there staring at the wall, feeling more and more hopeless. The first time I felt real joy again was when we decided to move back to Finland. Sweden had become this place filled with failure, anxiety, depression and pain. And quite a few traumatic events occurred to me while being there, which I'd rather address in another episode. Honestly, I wish I would have moved home earlier. I'd have saved myself a lot of pain. But I I had way too much pride, and I wanted to show everyone that I could do it. Well, shocker, I couldn't. So one evening I called my mom crying and telling her that I don't think I can do this anymore. I cannot pass my exams. How am I supposed to get an education? And my mom said that I I have tried so many times that maybe it was time to just give up on the whole college thing. But that is not me. I'm not someone who gives up. I have to have a degree. I want to be the girl who was able to do it when everyone else thought she couldn't. When being stuck between those four walls, I had a lot of time to think about my life, about my memories. And what made me the most sad was thinking about what I will remember once I'm old. Because the way I remember things now is, oh, that day when my stomach was completely unbearable, or, 
oh, that period when I was on medication. The problem with those memories is that the higher my dosage gets, the worse my memory gets as well. And there is nothing more mortifying than when my friends have to remind me of things I did a month ago, and I only have a slight recollection, but no real memory of the event. It makes me feel like I'm just floating around, somehow trying to survive, somehow trying to exist. But there is a big difference between existing and living. And so when I took out my medication from the pharmacy for the first time after a long break some weeks ago, I had thought a lot about how I want to remember my life later when I'm older. But I couldn't really come to a conclusion. I don't want to have memories filled with pain, making certain events more remarkable than others, not by what the event itself entailed, but by remembering what my level of pain was. But I also don't want to have blackouts and only remember certain things and feel like the things I do remember are someone else's memories. Because as I said, I'm not the same person on medication as I am off of it. Which makes it very hard to find a balance, a gray area, something in between. But for now I don't have much choice, do I? Except hope for that miracle. Another interesting thing is that after being in constant pain for so long, you mostly just feel numb. The highs are not as high and the lows, well, they vary, but most of the time I just accept the fate I had been given. I know this sounds sad coming from a 22-year-old, but what I'm trying to say is you shrug it off. Say that you're fine when in reality you're clearly not. But beside the numbness, you also live in constant fear. You're always in flight or fight mode. You can sort of predict when the pain is going to get really bad, and you know the things that trigger it, but you still can't know for certain. This makes it also impossible to plan. Because even though you have thousands of plans, chances are they are going to get postponed or cancelled. And that is no way to live, is it? Being in constant fear. Because it is not just some slight headache that you might get after a bad night's sleep. Now, I'm not talking about a migraine. I've had that. That does not classify as a headache, in my opinion. But my point is, when you get a headache, you don't know that it's coming. And you have no time to start fearing what's about to happen. So you go about your day normally. While in my case, I'm constantly waiting. Waiting for the pain to hit. Waiting for it to get better. And waiting for that goddamn miracle. 
If you have come this long, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I have gotten so inspired by doing this that I just get up in the middle of the night and start writing the next episode or write poems or whatever. Um, So I hope you'll stay with me and I hope I will see you in the next episode. And, you know, I hope you have or had a lovely day. And bye.